Welcome to Glow Radio. This is the Rich Bitch Academy for all baddies who want to glow the fuck up. I'm your host, Jacqueline Sun. I'm a wealth astrologer and business coach for luxury entrepreneurs. You can expect raw and unfiltered conversations about how to embrace a rich CEO mindset. We will discuss everything including business, astrology, manifestation, human design, and more. It's time to break off limiting beliefs and free your best self. Let's secure the bag. Today, I have such an exciting guest with me. Her name is Erin May Henry. She is a business and brand mentor, a multi six-figure entrepreneur. She is a Gemini sun, Leo moon, Aquarius rising, and a three five generator in human design. And crazy thing is I've actually been following Erin for a long time. I remember watching your YouTube videos back even before you became a business coach. So I'm so excited for this conversation and just diving into your story. So thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited. Honestly, I love that intro so much. I love that you set it up with the human design and astrology (laughs) as well, because I'm such like I've been in that world because of clients and mentors that I've had in the past, but I'm still such a noob with it as well so to be like introduced with my my signs I'm like oh what am I setting myself up for here I'm excited oh I love that yeah I love I'm such a nerd about that stuff because it's just like all I do in my work so I love introducing everyone like that but let's first let's first dive into just tell us your story your long story I love just getting into it how did you get to where you are today I love that you mentioned YouTube as well, because honestly, that really is like where my journey started and has been such a big influence on the work that I do today. So I, back uh, in 2014, you know, was just studying, doing the thing, you know, the classic story of feeling lost, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. Um, But I was studying business at the time. Reason being is I did business and public relations totally influenced by Samantha Jones from Sex and the City, if anyone was wondering. (laughs) Um, But I was just studying, still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And for one of my classes, it was like a creative writing class. It was compulsory to go to this PR event, like PR marketing summit thing. It was actually contributing to the grade. Uh, I did not want to go because it sounded boring as all hell, but the fact that it was compulsory, I was there. And thank God I went because it literally changed the trajectory of my life. I know everyone has those like pinnacle moments in their story, but that was like mine. Um, Basically at this event, I was just sitting there bored, 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 bored. But then one speaker came on and he was talking about how like, and remember this is back in 2014. So it's like not what the internet looks like today, but he was like talking about digital entrepreneurship. And I thought that sounded so cool, even though I had no idea what it was. But he was talking about if you want to ride the wave of digital entrepreneurship that's coming, the first thing that you should do is get online and build a community, like build an audience. That is the priority of what is going to help people become these like solopreneurs, these digital entrepreneurs. And again, I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't know what a digital entrepreneur was, but 
it sounded cool. And so literally the next day I started my YouTube channel. At the time I had no idea what I wanted to talk about, but the number one like hobby you could say I had in my life was fitness. And so I just started documenting my health journey as many people do when they first start posting content online. Um, and then I just continued with YouTube. You know, I ended up being made redundant from my, my job that I had at the time. I graduated from uni. And so I was at one of those like fork in the road kind of decisions in my life because I was made redundant from my job and I had just graduated from uni and I was like well all my peers are going off and like getting marketing jobs or starting to work for firms and what can I do and I was like you know what this was in 2016 I was like I've had a year and a half worth of content creation experience at this stage, I'm going to start a digital marketing agency, which I think was like the big thing a lot of people did at that time as well. So I went off, I started like a digital marketing business. I landed like a pretty big client just through like networks and connections. They had a lot of different brands under their like umbrella brand. So that was really good. I pretty much had full-time work from the get-go, but I hated it. Honestly, writing blog posts and content for a particular niche like this was in the skincare niche but a niche that you're not interested in for me I don't know if there's something in my human design but for me it was just so difficult to like create for other people I was still creating for myself because I still have my YouTube channel on the side but to like produce content for something that I'm not passionate about I just couldn't do it I can rarely do things that I'm not passionate about and so then I started exploring my options, started getting really into personal development at that time as well. And I just remember having one of those moments one day when I know he's not the most popular person in the world now, but again, this is back in 2016, I was watching Tony Robbins and just like seeing him mentor people and like the transformations that he was providing, the passion that he had for like helping people, teaching them. It was just something in that. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do. So I, at the end of 2016, enrolled in like one of those, a, a group coaching program, essentially to help me start an online business, to become a coach, to become a mentor. Um, I really actually did want to get into mindset coaching at the time. I was really passionate about that, but, you know, a lot of the imposter syndrome came up about not having like a psychology degree or any type of mindset training. So I did go into business coaching. Obviously I had that business degree and a whole lot of experience in content creation. And I'm really glad I did because I love teaching business, but today it definitely has more of an influence of mindset because that one piece of advice that I got in the beginning that like really kickstarted all of this, you know, if you want to get online and build an audience, that has been the constant in my journey. Like I have pivoted and changed my focus and my message and my branding and all of these different things so many times, but my business has continued to flourish and grow and build momentum. And the one constant in that is building an audience. So that's really what I did today. Like my business now, essentially the on paper description is that I help people to build an online business and build and scale an online business. But the energy behind that really is through building an aligned community. And I do a lot of mindset work in that. I have this movement called becoming the coolest person, you know, so the you know, stepping into your own, stepping into like building that self-identity, literally becoming the coolest person you know, because that helps you show up with a different energy online. It helps you to build an audience and simultaneously helps you to build a business. And that's where we are today. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. I feel like I'm just so excited hearing your entire story. And <laughs> I feel like, oh my God, I just have so many things I want to say. 
So you were mentioning how you felt like it was very difficult for you to do something that you didn't enjoy. I mm-hmm. feel like that was that is so related to your human design and your astrology because since you are a generator for generators, it's so, so important to be doing something that truly lights them up, which Mm -hmm. I feel like is a big part of that. And you being an Aquarius rising, like Aquarius are here to, they're not here to fit in the norm. They're here to, you know, do their own thing to show their uniqueness and also like do it to help the collective, to help everyone, like the, the groups in society so I feel like every time I see you online now knowing your astrology I'm like everything you're doing is so on point and so aligned so I'm really really happy to see that oh I love that I love that yeah and honestly like I think also again not knowing necessarily from the perspective of astrology or human design but that's also an energy that I love bringing into my business like one of my main messages specifically in this digital entrepreneurship space one of my biggest challenges which I kind of left out of the story there was when I first started my business I very much got caught up in this I have to be professional business has to look a certain way people have to take me seriously and for me that really um it it caused a lot of not only self-doubt and disruption to my business, but disruption in my life because I started feeling very detached from myself, detached from who I always was, that like inner child energy. And, And it started making me really resent my business. In 2018, I had a period of time where I really didn't want to do this anymore because I was like, I'm just not enjoying this. And then I realized through a journey of self discovery, which lasted two years, by the way, but through a journey of self discovery that coming back to like, who I always was, like who I was inside, embracing the rebel side of me or the more childlike side of me uh, and bringing that into my business not only made me so much happier because yes, I was more aligned with like what I wanted to do, but it really helped my business grow. And that's like now such a big part of the way that I show up online. I talk about, you know, having hobbies and exploring and just not taking yourself too seriously. I mean, my company is called the Chopreneur Company. It's like, don't take everything so seriously. And that I feel like is a big part of my movement. Like you said, like showing people that it doesn't have to be so professional. Like we don't have to take it so seriously. We can still be very successful just by being ourselves. Yes, totally. I feel like that what you just mentioned is so important, especially for people around like our generation. I feel like like the younger generation, I think like with social media and everything, like more and more people are seeing like this childlike expression or not being super professional. But for some reason, I felt like with our generation back in the day, it was very corporate. And Mm -hmm. I was I also felt like we had to be like super serious in order for other people to take us seriously. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that we just need to like, I I think it is moving in that direction more, but I still work with clients all the time that, yeah, they have this like corporate remnants to how they feel like they need to show up online. And actually that ends up being the thing that holds them back because they're not creating from their like full authentic expression they're not being themselves and therefore when they're not being themselves they're not differentiating you know there's just so much competition in the online space and I say this all the time that information is information like if everyone wrote down their ideas on a you know 
blank piece of paper, it would look the same because everyone really is saying the same thing. And that's not a bad thing because we're all teaching in alignment to what's actually going to help people. We don't want to change the work too much, but what helps us stand out, what helps us be um, differentiated in the online space is us just embracing who we fully are and not trying to, you know, go with the status quo. Totally. And I'm so glad that you're sharing that message with everyone. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to learn a little bit more about your business experience here. So let's dive into that moment when you had your first six-figure year. What was that like? Just tell us more about that journey. Okay. So I I actually do love the story. That's a really great question. Not a lot of people have asked that. Um, so my first six-figure year was actually my first year running the business that I have now. And I almost hate telling that story because I hate this conversation that we're having in the online space that success like happens overnight. That's a, another big thing that I talk about is like being patient. The reason why I was able to have that six-figure year, so 2017 was my first six-figure year. I made $104,000. So it was like just a six-figure year or something like, something like that. Um, this is before I had QuickBooks. So it was all very manual tracking, but I made $104,000 and I was so, so excited for that. Like I'd launched my business at the start of the year. I had been one-on-one -on -one coaching. I launched a little course. I did group coaching and I just crossed over that mark. The reason being is that why I was able to make the six-figure year in my first year is because this is in 2017. I had been building my audience without making a cent from 2014. So from 2014 to so the end of 2014 to the start of 2017, I was just building my audience on YouTube. I think I had like almost 30,000 subscribers on YouTube at the time of launching my business. And that was the thing that contributed to me then being able to turn that audience into a monetizable business that made me six figures in my first year. And I honestly wish I could give everyone this advice these days to like, build an audience for as long as you possibly can without monetizing. It's not sexy advice and no one wants to take it because obviously we all want to make money as soon as possible and you don't have to wait two years. But I think the reason why I still to this day have like such an engaged audience and my business is able to scale quite sustainably is because of that priority, like that stability in my audience that I've had. But in terms of the business, yeah, it was just I had made the decision to pivot into business coaching. The first year, I pretty much just doubled down on one-on-one -on -one coaching. Like I focused on that for most of the year. I like things to be as simple as possible. So I didn't try a bunch of different things. I just had the one thing and I was like, how can I make this better and better and better? So I prioritized that. But at the end of the year, I then launched a group coaching program, which brought in like quite a bit of revenue to that six-figure year. And introduced me to my biggest passion in business, which is also just bringing people together, collaborations, groups, all of that stuff. I love it. Oh my God. When I was looking into your astrology, like a lot of your, your business aspects are in air signs and air sign is, is all about like bringing people together, collaborating, conversation. So I truly feel like you building that community first is very aligned with your purpose mm -hmm. and you've done such a great job at it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so let's, let's dive even deeper into that. Let's talk about pricing because I mm. feel like this is a huge one that so many people have questions about. So for that first year in your business, how did you decide your prices? 
Like, how did, did you do any price increases? What was that journey for you like? This episode is sponsored by My Creator Baddie Program. So the truth is that so many driven entrepreneurs struggle with figuring out the steps to create content that actually sells high ticket offers. You might be feeling burnt out from creating content or you might feel paralyzed with fear and have no idea how to start with your content. Wherever you are right now, the Creator Baddie program is here to help you get closer to your dream life. Now I'm talking about that life where you wake up every single day feeling refreshed because you don't need to set an alarm because you are the boss. That life where you are allowed to take time off and travel whenever you want to because you have the financial freedom to do so. That life where you feel so fulfilled because you are getting paid to do something you would do for free. Now, I've totally been in your spot before as there have been times where I felt completely lost with my business and it seemed like I was speaking to no one when I showed up on social media. But then after a decade of struggle, things finally started making sense. I realized why I went through all those years of adversity and it was so that I could teach you what I know today. This is not a cookie cutter sales technique, as you will learn how to find your secret sauce using your astrology and human design and sell in a way that feels good for you. If you already have an online business, this program will teach you how to create better content to make those luxury sales. You don't need a bunch of fancy systems to call in more money. Simple aligned content creation is all you need. If you are a new entrepreneur, this program will teach you how to build strong foundations and create the right content to build that life of freedom. So if this is calling to you, I invite you to join the Creator Baddie program. The link will be in the description and I cannot wait for you to begin. Yeah, so I, in my first year, was very much just like going off the advice of the business coach that I was working with. So the decision to price the way that I did was through, let's say, a journey. Like this is what my first journey looked like. So in the beginning, it was really important to me, although I had, you know, a four-year business degree, I had all of this experience in um creating content. I have my social media marketing business. Like I actually felt really confident in my ability to teach people, uh, but I still wanted to get some experience. So I did the classic, like work with people for free in the beginning. So I took on a bunch of clients, uh, worked with them for free, beta clients, if you will, got the results. And then I went straight in to, I think my first price was like, it was like 5,000 Australian. So I think like 3,000 something um, USD. I don't know. I was, I used to charge in Australian at the time. So I actually wouldn't know what the conversion was in USD, uh, for a 12 week program. If I could go back these days, um, I don't know if I would change it necessarily from my perspective, because again, I had that audience there. I already had that demand there and I had that experience. If I was just starting out from scratch and I didn't have any audience, I didn't have any experience. I definitely obviously wouldn't have charged that high. But for me, I actually kept my pricing 
the same for the entire year. Like I didn't raise my pricing. I just kept it. It was really important to me to just like get as much experience as I possibly could. And then go into the group coaching program, looking how I was going to scale my business from there. But yes, over the years since then, like if we're specifically just looking at my one-on-one pricing, then it absolutely has raised with, I'm very practical. Like I don't know what in astrology or in anything is like lead someone to be more spiritual or more practical in these decision-making. But I studied uh, business, as I said, at university. And one of the subjects was microeconomics. And in my mind, the way that I've always judged pricing from a business perspective is the law of supply and demand. So when demand increases, so does price, right? So for me, it was like the more that the demand increased for my products, my programs, my coaching, the more I raised my price. I know a lot of people go and make this decision intuitively or spiritually and get guidance. And that's fine as well. But for me, it's always been like, as the demand increases, so does my price. And obviously I feel it out. I do listen to my gut in terms of what it needs to be. But I have, and this is not just in pricing, this is any business decision. I have this almost very rational research, data-based analytical focus to my decisions. And then I also have like the gut feeling, the does this feel good emotionally and all of that. So I am, maybe it's in the Gemini, I don't know. I, I very much in every business decision, I am balancing both of those energies, but I like there to be an equal of both. Like I like to have that gut feeling, that emotion, that intuitive pull towards something, but then also the rationale behind it. Um, and so pricing, like that's the thing. I know a lot of people get confused about pricing there's so many aspects and elements like you took vibey sales school a course that i created recently and we talked a lot about selling and obviously the conversation of pricing comes into that as well there's so many aspects that come into pricing there's no formula for it that's the thing that people need to understand like don't ever think that there's going to be a right price for something because there just isn't an example that i gave in the course was that there's in Las Vegas, someone charging $1,000 for a hamburger. And then you can also get one for $2. Like pricing is an illusion to a certain degree, but I wouldn't even call it that. It's literally just positioning, people making it up. So the elements that come into pricing is obviously first and foremost, like where you're at in your own journey, where you're at with your experience, where you're at with your knowledge, where you're at with your feedback. Is this a new program? Is this an old program? Have you got results with this? Are you still testing it out? What's your money mindset like? If you don't believe in the pricing, then you're not going to be able to sell it. You don't want it too low that you're going to resent it. You don't want it too high that you're going to fear it. So those aspects come into it as well. What is the market looking like? Like, where do you want to position yourself in the market? Is this high end? Is this accessible? How much do you actually need in order to sustain your business? So if you're doing one-on-one coaching and you want to go full-time, you can't be charging $100 an hour and have you know 30 million clients in order to replace your full-time income. So actually do the calculations on what you need to make. I really like um, Alex Hermosi. He has this book called $100 million offers. And he said, your pricing should always be as high as it can be without cracking a smile. And I think what he means by that is before you actually don't believe in the pricing yourself. And so when it comes to pricing, I think the most important thing is just to know there's no right answer. And also know that you're not going to kill your business if you make the wrong decision, because you can always change it. You know what I mean? Even if you price too high, just come up with another program. If you charge too low, that's fine. Raise the price. Like you can't get it wrong. I think so many people are so afraid of pricing and putting things out there. What if it's too high? What if it's too low? It's like at the end of the day, like I always say, just like chill out. It doesn't matter. Like it's not a be all and end all decision. 
Totally. Oh my God. I love that. I love that you mentioned that book because I actually just ordered that book based on your recommendation and it just arrived. So I'm so excited to dive in to the it's 100 such a good book. <laughs> it, it is really good. Like I definitely think approach it with like an open mind, specific, specifically in business. Like when women in business, we definitely like to be like heart led. This is just very masculine you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. very linear it's very strategic but I like to learn both you know what I mean one day I'll be re- reading a book of like sacred womb healing and the next it'll be like bro science marketing and it's like if you can approach all of these different disciplines all of these different topics and just like take the small things that resonate with you and then infuse them with like a totally contrasting uh idea or ideology then you will come up with your own beautifully unique balance of like either side some people want to flow more into strategy some people want to flow more into energy but I think if you can openly learn about both and then you can find where on the spectrum you want to sit like that's where the magic is yes I feel like you explained that so perfectly because I definitely love learning like both sides as well Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm someone who kind of leans more towards the masculine type of strategies just based on my personality but learning about the feminine and the masculine has definitely been this like lifelong journey yeah and it's a nice way to like balance and I also think it's seasonal as well like I I think we're so hung up as a society on trying to define ourselves like are we more masculine are we more feminine what's our personality type what's our working style We, we we're so desperate in the pursuit of definition of ourselves because we always want to like fit into something and I don't believe in that as much I believe everything is very seasonal you know maybe there is a season where you go into like letting things flow more and being more into receiving and leaning back and then maybe there's a season where you do need to show up and like let's say uh focus on more masculine hustle kind of energy like all is beautiful and it's just about trusting timing and listening to what's needed for wherever you're at at any point in life. Yes. I feel like as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've gone through these periods where there's like ebbs and flows and Mm -hmm. during some times it's like slower, you know, you're dealing with a lot more internal stuff. And then other times, like you said, it's more like you have to show up with that masculine energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think trying to cling ourselves to one like personality type is going to hold us back. Like it's going to hold us back because if we are, let's say, just as an example, someone who is very much like I'm totally, totally, totally anti-hustle. I'm all about feminine flow. I'm all about leaning back and receiving. And then there is a particular period of time where maybe you need to integrate more systems or grow your team or um, develop a new program. And that is going to massively benefit future flow or future being able to lean back. But right now you've just got to show up and do the thing. Like you do yourself a disservice by just trying to only identify with one way of being like just allow yourself to change, as you said, with the ebbs and flows of business, of life, of seasons, of seasons in your business, seasons in your life, like just be who you need to be in any one moment and allow yourself to change and grow. Yes. Yes, totally. I'm curious. So being where you are at now in your business, do you find that the challenges that you go through are very different than when you were an earlier entrepreneur? Like what are some of the challenges that you encounter nowadays? Yeah, I think definitely 
there are similarities in a lot of the challenges, but they present themselves differently. Like in the beginning, I would say here, if I was to like bucket the categories of challenges that you will face as an entrepreneur, the first challenge is absolutely going to be structural. Like that's going to be the structure of your business. So the first challenge that you're going to face when you're starting your business is obviously how the heck do I even build this thing? You know what I mean? Like there's going to be a lot of confusion. It's going to be really messy. At this stage, it's not how do I build this thing, but how do I grow this thing? And so it looks different, but the energy is essentially the same. It's structural. It's foundational. I would say the biggest challenge though of entrepreneurship is the identity part of it. You know, the mindset part of it. I know a lot of people say like, entrepreneurship is the uh, most challenging personal development journey that you could go on. And I totally agree with that. And then on the balancing side of it, you know, success is like 80% your psychology in the beginning. Like, obviously I was facing a lot of imposter syndrome and working on those first stages of money mindset struggles, but I was also very excited and, you know, still very bright eyed and bushy tailed going into it with like, all of this optimism and ready to just integrate everything. And now the struggles look different. I obviously don't have as much, let's say, imposter syndrome or fear, but now I'm dealing with things like how do I maintain my own sense of my identity outside of who I am as a personal brand online? You know, I've been doing this for such a long time, like remembering who I am, not as Erin May Henry, but like, let's just say as Erin Henry is something that is a practice that I have to do every single day, as well as like the money mindset things. Yes. In the beginning, it was like, whoa, maybe I've got some fears around selling, or maybe I've got some fears around making money. Now, when you're, you know, holding space for like larger amounts of money, yeah, there's still mindset struggles there, money mindset struggles there, but they just present themselves differently. So I wouldn't necessarily say that like, the the core of the problems have changed so much it's just what triggers them have changed and it really does come back to the structure of your business your identity how you see yourself I would say that that is really important in the beginning I was like do I see myself as an expert I absolutely see myself as an expert now but do I see myself as a person outside this business um and then obviously yeah so your own mindset and then just like the structure of your business i would say the two biggest ones but again they're triggered and present themselves differently as you grow mhm for sure what what's kind of like your your weekly schedule like how do you usually plan that out or are you more like intuitive with it it so depends like i find these like this question i get asked a lot like what's my morning routine what's my weekly structure what's my day structure and i again have both of those aspects to my personality where i love being like super organized super planned married to my calendar love my click up and all of that but then also there's like a on the day i'm going to do what i want when i want so i find that sometimes challenging, but also very freeing, but there's no one week or one day that looks the same. I mean, I have, I probably work on a normal week, maybe two to three hours in a day, just spread out randomly across the day. I have lots of hobbies. I have lots of interests. You know, I love to like just pot around if you will as well. So on any one week, I have a small structure to my week where Monday is like my CEO day where I do a lot more of just like the organizing myself, working on projects, um, 
thinking about things in terms of like new programs, then Tuesdays and Wednesdays are when I take my calls and Thursdays and Fridays are generally where I create content. But again, this is like the loosest structure you can think of because I will pretty much create content all throughout the week, just as those intuitive hits come. Um, And then, you know, things change with clients and I might have a call on a Monday or Friday. There's really no structure to my week. I try to have intention around my months, like what am I launching? What am I building? What am I selling? But in terms of like how that looks in a week, it's going to be based on my energy. It's going to be based on what I'm feeling. I leave a lot of space in my calendar to move things around. So like I'm a deadline kind of person. Again, I don't know if there's something in my human design, but I very much work to a deadline. If I know something's coming up, I like to leave as much space as possible as I can. And then I'll still do it at the very last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love to work to a deadline. So I always create, launch things before I create them, announce things before I build them, um, and then just work to the deadline of those dates that I've set for myself. But I also like to leave a lot of space in my calendar so that I can move things around. But the things that I do then prioritize is obviously my business, yes, but also the things that I do outside of my business, like my hobbies, my like sports and stuff. So I try, I, I don't know if I love the word balance, but I try schedule balance in as much as possible as well. I love that. I feel like it's always interesting to hear about this because I know there's some people who are super, super structured and like, you know, other people are more intuitive, but yeah, it's always cool to hear about that. And I think, again, that's probably one of those things that also comes in seasons. Like there have been seasons in my personal life that have been way more busy, therefore require me to be a little more militant with my time in my business so that I don't get distracted and pulled away. Like summer, for example, if I have big projects through the summer where I also love to go to festivals and I love to travel and I love to, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of summer hobbies like dirt bike riding and outdoor kinds of things. And I know that absolutely my attention can go in this direction when the sun's out. Um, So I may require to be a little more militant with my time in the summer versus like in the winter, I probably have a lot more time that I can dedicate to my business. So therefore it requires me to be a little less structured. Like I'm at home a lot more. So I actually have a lot more space to just get things done. Mm -hmm, Totally. So I want to talk a little bit about the word like consistency in a business, because I feel like this word is thrown around a lot. I personally kind of hate this word because I feel like it means something different to everyone, but in terms of like your income, like whenever you go through, let's say a lower income month, like how do you usually deal with that? The thing is, I actually also have a distaste for the way that we track income in the online space. I think there's a big emphasis on monthly income goals when traditionally not a lot of businesses actually track in that way. You know, I've worked with like big businesses. One of the companies that I used to work for um, was a huge, huge wine manufacturer. And I never, ever, ever heard them talking about like monthly income, you know what I mean? It was annual or quarterly um, and the like revenue targets and things like that. But I think that there's just such an emphasis on like monthly income goals in business, like how much you made in a particular month. And what that does is cause people 
to not look at the bigger scope of their business. And the bigger scope means that income will fluctuate. You know, income will fluctuate with the time of year. Income will fluctuate with things going on in your personal life. And if you're looking only at these months, you can have one really good month and one really bad month. And then what people do is make them mean, make that mean something about themselves. You know, so if it's like, let's say you have like a 10K month and then the next month's a 3K month, instead of being like, holy shit, I made $13,000 in the last eight weeks. That's amazing. It's like, oh my God, my business is failing. I'm failing. I suck. And then that energy is getting brought to the business, right? Mm-hmm. So I, same as you, like, I don't believe necessarily in this perfect consistency of results because that's totally out of our control. Anything that is out of our control, pursuing consistency in that, I think is a lose-lose game. Where I like consistency is like consistency in our own management of things. Like, am I consistently trying to manage my own energy better? Am I consistently trying to be creative and show up and produce things better? Trying to get consistent results in your audience growth, trying to get consistent results in your income, like that pursuit is just going to drive you mad. So only I say consistency should be applied to what you can control outside of that, try to take the emotion out of it as much as possible and just look at the rest of it as data. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't necessarily believe that someone is going to have a perfectly consistent business where you go like, let's say scale $5,000 increments every single month for the rest of your life. I think that we should be looking at our business on a bigger scale, like in terms of looking at it in quarters or looking at it in years. And if your business does start to decline, that's okay. It happens, but how can we actually turn it back around? Mm, Yes. I love that. I love how you mentioned that let's say one month you make 10K, next month you make 3K. And then like, you know, I feel like a a younger entrepreneur might dwell in that, right? Like feel Mm -hmm. like it's a failure, but I feel like as you develop on your journey, you'll realize that you kind of need to detach from these things. And it doesn't really mean anything about you because you can always readjust moving forward. Right. And hundred percent. That's why I say it's always about the lens that you look at it through. Like you could look at it through the lens of I made 10 K one month and three K one month. That means my business is failing. That means I suck. That means I'm not as good as everyone else on the internet. Or you could say to yourself, like I said, I made $13,000 in the last two months, like as a new entrepreneur starting my business, that's probably more than most people make in their like, you know, in their, in their corporate jobs or in their jobs at all. That's more than some people make in a year. Like, this is amazing. And how do I just like keep showing up and like, again, keep managing my own consistency so that I can keep focusing on doing the thing that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And where do you see your business going like longer term? Like what do you have any visions in mind? Oh, do you know what? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. I went through this like whole rabbit hole of like Egyptian uh, sort of philosophy yesterday and like working with the energy of like these deities. Oh my God, we don't even need to get into that. But <laughs> the particular one of which we're like in the energy of now at the time of this recording is my art, which is all about like long-term planning, long-term goals, long-term um, structure. And I who was sitting down yesterday thinking about, I cannot for some reason plan long-term. And this is only through experience. Like I struggle so much. I really try to, like, I really try to think in five years, I want to be here in 10 years. I want to be here. But the fact is when I look back on my journey from the last, like, let's say from 2017 to 2000 now, so seven, is that seven years? Yeah, seven years. 
I do, I could not have predicted that my life looked this way. Like my life in 2020 took a massive, massive, massive um, detour or like my life got completely shaken up. And like, since then, since going through the pandemic, since, so I went through like a long-term breakup, my business completely changed, my life completely changed. Like I was building a house in the suburbs engaged like gonna do the whole thing and then ended that relationship and now my life just looks completely different and so from that experience like that was only three two years ago that was only two years ago my life feels like it is like 10 million lifetimes from where it was two years ago so now thinking to the future I almost feel for me personally it's a little bit of a waste of time to try like long-term plan because I just don't know what's going to happen so I definitely have like things that I would like to accomplish I would love to like start a product-based business I definitely know the next chapter for me is more digitally nomadic I want to travel more I want to live overseas like I have all of these like quote-unquote bucket list kind of things that I want to do but sitting down like even in my business I really struggle to plan beyond a month uh, because I just feel like I am so much more now about like yes having a direction I want to head in, but being totally open and okay with detours. Wow. I'm so happy that you mentioned that because honestly, I am not a long-term planner at all. And I am also shook that you mentioned how your life went through this crazy change, how you went through that breakup, whatever. I feel like our lives are so parallel because I think it was about two year, two or three years ago where I was also engaged and got out of a long-term 13-year relationship. I'm now living wow. in a different city. The, like my business grew, you know, it's so yeah. crazy. I That's feel like beautiful. that you mentioned that. Yeah. And like, I think that you'll agree then that like that experience of like, I was so set on my life, even though I knew it didn't feel good intuitively and there were some things going on there, but I was so like my life, was going in a totally different direction. I, I I have now randomly all these people say to me that like, I seem like I'm reverse aging or I'm going back in age and all of these things because I really did have my life going in a certain direction. Like I said, I had like the house and was going to get married and do all of that kind of stuff. And now it's like, I'm off skateboarding and like just gallivanting around the world and like just having fun. And like that. It, like I said, it just feels like it was a lifetime away. But I also think that for so many of us, like we didn't know, like we all went into 2020 again, just optimistic that it was going to be this incredibly, what was, what's it called? The uh, century year or something like that, like 2020. Um, and we were all like so excited. And then it was like, hell no, you're going to stay in your house for a year and a half. So I think for so many of us, it's like, well, what's the point in planning? You know what I mean? Like, let's just go a little bit more with, we don't know what's going to happen and how do we learn to embrace that rather than fear it now? Totally. And I feel like it's now, I guess, experiencing this, I feel like it's, it's very exciting to know that you are literally like one move away from your life mm-hmm. completely changing. Oh my is, God. Yeah. Yes. So exciting to, to realize that. Yeah. One opportunity. What's that quote? I think it's like, you know, stay prepared or I I don't know what the actual quote is, but it's like opportunity can come knocking at any time or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it really is like, you could be like one move. And I, I don't necessarily believe in like quantum leaps in the way that people talk about them online. Like one day you're going to wake up and just like be a bazillionaire. Like, (laughs) I don't necessarily think that that's true. However, the way that I see like quantum leaps is that like, you could be 
one decision away that's going to completely change the trajectory of your life that exponentially will leap you in a totally different direction. Like think about if you're heading in one direction um, and you make even like a millimeter change in the beginning, it's not that far off. But as those two points separate from one another, like visualize one line going straight and one line going a millimeter off in a diagonal, eventually those two points are going to be so far from one another if they keep moving forward. So it's these micro decisions that we make that change the trajectory that in the moment actually don't feel as big. I mean, obviously a breakup feels big for us, but like even the little things that we're doing today could eventuate in us being in a totally different place in six months to a year's time. So I absolutely believe in just like, yes, being planned and having goals and things that you want to achieve in your life because that keeps us moving forward, but then also being okay to like listen to those intuitive pings, listening to just like opportunity as it arises, listening to, or just like, I hate this term, but like going with the flow to a certain degree um, and then just seeing where it takes you. Yes, I feel like you described that like perfectly, the quantum leaping thing, because mm-hmm. I feel like in the spiritual realm, like I talk about manifestation a lot, but I think yeah. a lot of people get it wrong when they don't realize that what it is, it's just setting an intention and then taking mm-hmm. aligned action along right. the way. Like it doesn't mean like you're just going to arrive there or that's going to fall into your lap one day, but you just got to make those moves in order mm-hmm. to, to have it come into fruition. Right. And one of my biggest messages of what I speak about probably most commonly is patience. Like I am such a advocate for patience, specifically in this online space where we're faced with people who talk about things like I made 10K months in my first month of business or six figures in my first year. And that's why I even hate telling my story because it seems misconstrued of like, Yes, it might have been my first year of running this business, but it was not my first year of building an audience, right? I massively believe in the idea of patience. And this is why, like, my combination of uh, making anything happen in life is patience and fun, right? So the more fun that you can have with anything, the more likely you are to be patient. And I very much believe in the philosophy. I don't know who said it, but in the philosophy as slow is the fastest way to get to where you want to go. Because yes, we are seeing examples of people who are quote unquote overnight successes. But if you took the percentage of people that were pursuing that and then measured it against the people who get results fast, it would be very small. Like the people who get results fast is the loudest but the minority. And so what it then does is discourage a lot of people. So most people quit before they even get to where they want to go. Or what actually ends up happening is some people struggle, sorry, like strive so hard, do whatever it takes to get to where they want to go. Then they arrive there, they haven't had fun and they've probably built like let's say a business or an audience in a way that's not aligned to them. And then they hate it and then they get burnt out and then they've used all of their energy that they can't enjoy it anyway. And so this slow, sustainable way to getting to any goal, I believe, is just finding a strategy or finding a a tool, a system, a methodology, whatever it's being applied to that feels fun. You know, they say time flies when you're having fun, like time flies when you're distracted. Yeah, that's my philosophy on getting to any goal is that like the more fun that you're having, the more that you can manipulate the way that you get there to be enjoyable for you, the more patient you're likely to be. Therefore, the faster you actually get there because A, you won't burn out on the way and B, you'll actually have the energy to enjoy the thing when you do get there. So slow, sustainable, patient pursuits of what we want in life 
coupling that with just finding a way to get there that we actually enjoy, I believe is the best way to live. Yes, I'm, I'm really glad that you are shedding light on this because I say this a lot where I feel like you can either build success slowly and kind of go through all those challenges before you reach that success or you see those like celebrities and people who gain success really quickly, really early on, but they still can't avoid the challenge. Like they're mm-hmm. going to go through the challenges after if they reach success so early. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's better to build slowly and get there sometimes. And acclimatize as well. Like the thing that I see happen so often with entrepreneurs, specifically these people who are like blowing up overnight on TikTok is the mental health disruption that comes later because they haven't acclimatized themselves to this new level of visibility or financial success. And when I say acclimatize, I mean like slowly along the way, you work on the limiting beliefs that come up and you're able to move through the next stage and then the next stage and then the next stage. So your mental strength when arriving at those points is so much stronger than if you leaped there because you haven't like, let's say completed all the levels, you haven't got the skills, you haven't got the strength by going through and completing. I'm very much gamifying this in my own head, but you haven't got the skills that you need at that top level that most people end up just getting there and being like, I can't handle this. And then going right back to the beginning. Mm. Yes. Yes. So, so true. And oh my gosh, as we're getting to the close to the end of this podcast, I wanted to ask you something. I love asking my guests and that is what is something that you wish that more people knew about you? That's such a good question. And I find that very difficult to answer because (laughs) I actually do consider myself to be like one of the most like transparent people. Not that I'm like necessarily priding myself on that. I've just never been anyone who's good at hiding things. I'm not a very good liar. Um, But I, what's one thing that I wish more people knew about me? I feel like I tell people everything I want them to know about me. Honestly, like, yeah, I, that question has absolutely stumped me. I would probably need to like, think more on that. Um, What's one thing I wish more people knew about me? Yeah. I I feel like I can't answer that. I'm sorry. I feel like everything I want people to know, I do tell them. And like that, I guess like, that's the biggest lesson that I, I always pull a lesson from everything, but you know, for me, I'm very, the way that I've made my internet journey so easy for myself is by being transparent, you know, because I am so open and honest about every aspect of my life. I have a lot of friends who are also in the online space and they get so paranoid about people finding things out about them. And I've just always come into this thinking we're all human beings here. We all have beings here. We all have bad uh, or, you know, let's call them bad or whatever. Like, habits and like things that we do that aren't perfect and the age of trying to be perfect on the internet has passed anyway but you know I have always been really open about like my humanness which has allowed me to not fear the internet as much as so many people do like I have so many friends that are so afraid of like gossip forums or being cancelled or whatever because they are they're hiding aspects of themselves like even things that just don't matter um you know uh, even like let's say in Amsterdam recently you know being around that culture you know whereas some people would be like oh I'm so afraid what if someone sees me smoking or what if someone sees this or someone sees that being an online figure I'm like well that's why I'm upfront and open 
from the beginning because then you never have to hide anything about yourself. And I don't believe this just as a philosophy for the online space. I believe this as a philosophy for life as well. I'm like, I try to be the best person I can. I absolutely have bad habits like every human does, but I'm going to embrace those. I don't, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just living my life. And the more honest I am about that, the less like shame I have to feel about it. I love that. I think that's actually a great answer to that question because it really shows like, you know, being transparent and vulnerable with your business online. Like it just helps you shed. Yeah. Have no fear of guilt or shame or anything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So, or, or being found out about yeah. that's, we talked about income a lot in this, like I know, I do know like a lot of people, how they manipulate the way that their income sounds and all of this and shop, like, you know, just they, they're creative about the way that they share their income. Um, and I know that a lot of people just out, outright lie about it as well. And to me, I could not sit with the guilt of that. I, I struggle with guilt a lot, actually, like guilt of, you know, not being able to help people as much as I want to and, and all things like that. But I just see like the, the fear of getting caught with things and the like, stress that that causes on us as human beings and like the guilt and that yeah like that fear of being canceled the fear of being caught like physically how that can manifest in our body is causing people so much unnecessary stress it can literally drive people to illness and I just don't believe in any of that I don't believe in causing any stress that doesn't need to be there we live in a society where we're faced oh we can get totally into this but faced with so much (laughs) external pollution and stress and like stimuli and like there's so much that's put on us why would we then cause more stress for ourselves you know so like the toxicity that can build up from guilt from fear from stress about lying about things about not being yourself I mean even that's something I've had to learn on my own journey not being myself not presenting as myself in the online space caused me so much stress for so long so I'm just like this is me I'm gonna lay it all on the table the good the bad the ugly and if you don't like it that's fine but I don't want to sit with like that not in my stomach of of, of fear of being caught or, or not being myself. Yes, that, I completely agree. I feel like one of my biggest goals in life is just to like live a relaxed, low stress life because I just Same. don't want to deal with that stuff. Just chill. Just chill. <laughs> <laughs> That's my philosophy. Yes. Oh my gosh. I honestly feel like we could keep talking forever, but <laughs> too I bad we're this. coming to the end of this episode. But where can anyone find you online if they don't know you? So I am Erin May Henry, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> YouTube podcast tiktok instagram all the fun stuff um instagram definitely is still one of my favorite apps i know it's got its challenges at the moment but if you want to reach out to me send me a dm definitely instagram is the best place amazing well thank you so much erin for joining us today that was such a wonderful conversation thank you for having me i loved it Thank you so much for listening to Glow Radio. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to take a screenshot, share it on your stories, and tag me so that I can re-share it. You can also show your support through leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much, and I'm sending you lots of abundance and love. Mm -hmm.